0: Hello and welcome to the What's For Dinner Show. My name's Lynn, and my aim, along with my guests, is to explore how our food experiences have influenced our lives as well as our waistlines. After his football career ended due to a serious injury, my guest Gary Knight embarked on a journey of personal development that embraced all aspects of his attitude to life and his well-being. Now he combines a career in sport with being a strategic life coach who focuses on supporting others to find a happier, healthier lifestyle. Welcome to the show, Gary. Before we started this interview, I asked you to tell me a little bit about your hobbies and interests. I mean, I was sort of amazed and also loved the fact that you listed personal development as a hobby. I think that's quite an inspiring thing to do. Perhaps you could sort of Tell me a bit about why you think it's important that we spend time on ourselves in the same way that we might spend time on, you know, golf or crochet or fishing.
1: Once I'd had a bad injury at football in my football career, I had to go into coaching because I was told I'd never play again and had to have the leg reconstructed. So for me, that was a bit of a a wake-up call, and so I started to look at mentors, people that were doing what I wanted to do, Um, and so I really started to focus. And focus is a really good word. I I really started to focus on personal development, honing and polishing my craft when it comes to coaching. So instead of just focusing on football coaching, I wanted to look at people that were in the life coaching um, industry or in business coaching and things like that. And just trying to glean from all of those different types of characters what helped them be the best version of themselves and just studied that and just really became really intentional about bringing that into my life and once I did that it's amazing how the universe or whatever you want to call it creates a better life for yourself in inverted commas when actually it's just you taking time to focus on you and i felt that was a good way to spend my time is, is it you know? something
0: to do with you know the the whole um how you react to things
1: Yes, exactly that. Because obviously, you know, we grow up and we're all different. We're all unique. But sometimes, you know, groups of people can be labeled. And maybe I came from one of those groups of people. I came from a council house background. I came from a home um, that unfortunately was domestic abuse. I got stabbed when I was younger, trying to help other people on the council estate. Uh, The influence of the people around you and the influence of the environment can sometimes lay your life before you. I was one of the top scorers in the Southwest. I would score goals for fun. Quite an angry little footballer. There's not me, really. But on the pitch is where all my aggression pent up and stuff from my childhood came out and frustrations came out and you channeled it into your sport unless you wake up and say to yourself, do you know what? I don't really want to go down that path. I think there's something better for me. I think there's something better inside me. And it was just about trying to find the answers to that and find myself, I guess, a little bit, the real me, uh, and then show the, the world the best version of me. So if I'm going to be a coach, if I'm not practicing it, I can't be a coach or an effective coach is my view.
0: And it's interesting that you sort of started from the perspective of being a football coach, which, you know, sometimes can be very much focused or, or at least a very narrow focus on, you know, winning, on technical skill but actually you know to be a success in any field of life it takes more than just that narrow focus doesn't it
1: yeah for me even when I was football coaching you know the the boys or the girls that shone out with their skill sets quite glaringly in front of you was great to see however it was the the boy or the girl that was in the corner of the pitch working away at their skill they weren't so quite so good as the others they didn't have that natural talent But I would always take somebody that has a little bit of skill but has a fantastic attitude and wants to learn over somebody that has all this skill under the sun and maybe has ego on their shoulder, doesn't have a great attitude. I would always try and help both. But that one that is really showing you, I want to learn. It's me. Help me. They would really come to the forefront of my thinking. And it's the same when um, I work with other people. A coach hasn't got the answers. A coach has got some really good questions. They can show you the route map, but you have to be the one to implement it.
0: What do you do on a sort of day-to-day basis to work on your own personal development?
1: We're all human beings, so we we fall off the wagon from time to time and life gets hold of you from time to time. But intentionally, and that's the key word, And I use that word a lot is intentionally always endeavor to wake up with gratitude because if I've woken up, I might as well be grateful because if I haven't, I haven't got a problem anyway. That's the first step. I always, if my eyes open, thank you. Thank you. I'm here. I have the opportunity to to do good. I have the opportunity to be a nice person. Those sorts of things. Practically, uh, I have my goals. That I would set at the end of each month. What do I need to do this month? How can I do it? Who do I need to speak to? Those sorts of things. I am always reading a book, not just specifically personal development books. as Simon Tynak, um, Tony Robbins.
0: Uh, somebody introduced me to Tony Robbins, and I think it had a huge impact on the way I looked at myself and my life. I mean, he probably gets a lot of sort of bad press for one reason or another, you know, being a sort of fairly loud kind of an American <laughs> sort of character. I, I did one of his sort of um, free sort of courses over a period of five days and it it really made made a difference.
1: Obviously, I found him online. I didn't, I didn't know nothing of him and there'll be, still be people on the planet that know nothing of him. But his principles and his um, strategies go way back to Milton Erickson. Um, in the U.S. who who came up with human needs psychology. So I love that so much that I enrolled um, and went and studied in Santa Barbara in America at the robbins Medanas institute and and qualified as as my life coaching qualification is certified with those guys. So I spent three years studying that um and putting that into practice. And it is fascinating that when you stop and look at yourself and start to analyze your belief mechanisms and where do these thoughts come from and uh, and then you get a bit of a light bulb moment. It is it's amazing what you can go do. I mean the power is within you. You just got to unleash it sometimes. And he does get a bad press because he's out there, he's American and all of those sorts of things, mm. it's what he does. And yeah. you can't knock what he does. I'm looking into right now, looking into possibly training to be a kinesiologist because I've been to see one and I'm feeling the benefits of what that person's done for me in terms of discovering a virus that I've been carrying.
0: I mean, I don't know if you've been to see Andrew Pittman. Is it in Taunton? Jonathan. I think that's what he's called. Jonathan, Jonathan Pittman. Pittman.
1: Yeah, that's who yeah. I
0: saw. That's My, who I saw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, just incredible. My husband goes to him regularly and swears by what he does. And I've been once, and, and again, I was amazed at how that. How does that work? <laughs> I
1: <don't> yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, going to see Jonathan was eye opening because I had. Um, pericarditis when i was 40 so that attacks the lining of the heart it's a viral infection but the doctors never told me what virus it was it was just six months rest and i literally couldn't move and all those sorts of things jonathan did the investigation and found it's epstein-barr virus which is a really nasty little thing did muscle testing and how he knows what's going on in there i have no idea but I'm going to look into it.
0: The other thing like, I'm interested in, um, because I know you've said you've got some digestive issues and I think you're allergic to dairy. So, I mean, how does what you eat on a day-to-day basis sort of fit in with your philosophy of personal development? Is it something that you take seriously?
1: Uh, very seriously. And and again, it's when your eyes are open to to things. Being open is really important, I think, because we can become closed off. With me, um, uh, it was discovered I had some a little bit of a a scare around cancer, so I had some investigations inside, and it turns out that I've got precancerous stuff and something called diverticulitis.
0: Isn't that sometimes brought on by a lack of fibre in the diet?
1: They can say it's a lack of fibre, yeah. Which I didn't quite understand when they told me I had that because I have quite a good healthy i thought fibrous diet Um, but as it turns out your cells need to absorb the fiber by breaking down so when you eat something it needs to like if it's got seeds in it it can't break it down so it's seeded things i've got to be careful with because i was having seeded bread but actually i should stay away from bread and stay away from seeds so it was things like that so you get your fiber from plant source rather than what we traditionally know as those sources uh, um a meal now is is veg loaded lots of color rainbows colors beetroots even even if we're having hot food I'll have beetroot in there and the dairy certainly flares that up so I stopped taking milk um and went to lactose free I still have milk in my drink I uh, I have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee but I cut right back on those sorts of things
0: So when did you find out that you were allergic to dairy products
1: Well, nobody's actually told me I'm allergic. However, I just bloated so much if I would have milk on my cereal, milk in my teas and coffees and things like that. And I just sort of made, well, I'm going to cut that out and see what happens. And it was the same with bread. Um, And even if it was wholemeal bread, really good quality bread, I would just bloat. Um, So it was bread and dairy that are two things that would cause me to bloat up and up other problems would emerge and since then it's all gone i cut that out of my diet and all that aggravation obviously in my gut has has gone away and just taking more care in the types of food i'm eating we've always been really good in preparing our own food pretty much um uh, and, and i suppose coming from a sporting background it's always been reasonably healthy food if i'm really on it uh, of a Sunday, I'll prepare four days' meals uh, and, and porti- partition them up. So it looks like you've got takeaway food, but we've made the food. So we've all got something to, to grab. But having structured work-life balance now, we share the cooking, but we're we always cooking our meals from home and with fresh food, real food, not processed, come away as much as possible from processed foods.
0: I think cooking... Uh, and preparing meals using color is an excellent way of just going about it really i think if you can have yeah. different colors on on the plate and just focus on that you you're halfway there really yeah. if not more than halfway <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah for sure because um people get caught up in that being healthy is boring You can't eat what you want. But actually, if you make something with color and and put flavor into it as well, it's a wonderful meal. So
0: where did you learn to cook?
1: Uh, self taught Mm -hmm. I don't cook any um, flamboyant. I mean, but I will just make it up as I go along and hope it tastes nice. And if it does, then I'll do it again. And then that process repeats itself with different types of foods.
0: So you're someone who can just open the fridge door and go, mm, okay, well, I'll just put that and that and that together and put a bit of this on it. And
1: Yeah, it's definitely resourcing what we've got in the house, especially if we haven't been for a shop, but we need to eat. I'll, I'll see what <laughs> we've got and I'll come up with something. We tend to now go and shop fresh foods every three days. So we've got lots of salad, lots of vegetables and things that we can cook with. Um, we don't have a lot of meat, but we'll eat chicken, we'll eat turkey, occasionally we'll make ourselves a little lasagna or very occasionally we'll go out for a meal um, and there might be a burger on the menu just as a treat the greyhound does a lovely one little plug for those guys but um <laughs> yeah um so we always we always try to make sure that we have got the food that we need to prepare a meal uh, and mm. and also having healthier snacks about as well when you're getting that little bit of a carb coma or a sugar dip you don't reach for the sugary stuff and the biscuits and all those sorts of things. I'm not saying don't have them, but don't have too much of them.
0: So what's your sort of go-to healthy snack at the moment?
1: So for me, it would be just some humus uh, and, a, and a cracker. Some of those, with mm. a handful of crackers and some humus, a dip and just have that because the cracker, when you put it into your mouth, uh, it starts out as a carbohydrate, but turns sugar as you, as you you as it dissolves. So you're getting that, sort of sugary hit to your body but it, it is a carbohydrate when it's going in and obviously mm. humus is chickpea so it's fairly healthy there's a bit of fat in it obviously but good fat
0: do you not find there that you could eat 20 of those in a go uh, and then it becomes slightly less healthy
1: <laughs> you can fall uh. into that trap but then there, I suppose there seems to be a bit of self-discipline <laughs> not too much fruit because obviously the natural sugars are in there should always be going more vegetable if you can and then if I'm having a cup of tea, I'll have a biscuit.
0: <laughs> so, what, so what's your favorite sort of main meal to cook? If you were, you know, perhaps if you were cooking at home on a Friday evening or something, something nice to eat.
1: I would probably do off a chicken breast, dice it down, pop it in with some onions, garlic, load it up with courgettes, peppers, mushrooms, and and just a stir if I on that uh, uh, and maybe some coriander rice coriander is yes. really good to get into your diet if you're not not having it because it with our environmental stuff that's going on around us it breaks down heavy metals so even if you've been for a uh, an x-ray for two weeks try and eat coriander because that'll break down the heavy metals that's been absorbed into your body you know the old phrase that you hear banded around we are what we eat and our cells rely on what we're putting in to to function properly as a structure so it's fascinating yeah gut health is so important what's going on in our gut. It has such an influence on everything else that goes on in the body.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a huge topic nowadays, isn't it? It seems to be something that's really coming to the fore, both in terms of your sort of physical health and your mental health all begins in the gut. And it's kind of incredible, really, that we hadn't, that that wasn't something that was sort of front and centre before, because obviously, you know, that's where it's all going, isn't it?
1: That's right. Yeah. And it's amazing how thin some of the structures in the gut are and if they get damaged by the wrong types of food things that should be staying in the gut are leaking into other areas of our structure and our body and that's where damages can um, happen from an autoimmune perspective because it it means that our immune system is almost destroying itself to try and repair what's going on there because that structure has been broken down by the wrong types of food so
0: Yes, I mean, I I often think our relationship with food is very much to do with what we weigh, you know, and it sort of stops there almost. And and it seems to be the only driver is in terms of, you know, what our sort of physical weight is and and what we look like, rather than all all these other elements which food plays an important role in. So I think people need to, or we all need to understand more about the multitude of effects that food have on us, not just on our on our waistlines as it were
1: but if we knew all of this from a younger age maybe we wouldn't be so caught up in that societal thing about what we what we look like Mm. and what we weigh and those sorts of things yeah yeah each body's different as well
0: yeah absolutely your sort of you know body shape and how your body responds to to food it's a a very individual thing isn't it yeah there's not a sort of one size fits all really A pat lunch boy or a school dinner boy?
1: We would go home. We had to, to. We we walked home to mum if she was home. But bless mum, she was doing three jobs to try and look after us. She had a lot on her plate. I can remember foods, uh, Shipham's paste, um, horrible crab paste. And main meals would have been liver and bacon and things like that. Treats would have been up to, to grand and granddad's. My granddad's stew with dumplings. I can always almost as I say it now. Taste that! That was just such a wonderful treat. Ham egg and chips was a favourite because of that's what Granddad did for me before we went to football. And we would fight. Just another memories jumped in there. We would fight over the cream off the top of the milk bottle in the mornings on the cornflakes. You had to take it in turns for that.
0: <laughs> yes, that's that's something that you don't sort of see nowadays, is it? Having to kind of shake the the milk bottle with your thumb that's, on the top it. of the yeah. tinfoil so it didn't pop yeah. off and go all over yeah. the place. <laughs> and was sunday dinner something that was important uh,
1: only for us yeah so the five of us we would have it mm-hmm. when mum could afford it really you know we didn't we didn't yeah, have a, yeah. a a sunday roast like it's available now it was a treat to have a sunday roast
0: uh, so do you remember um, helping your mum in the kitchen at all to sort of you know get yeah. things ready
1: yeah I can remember doing that bless her she would do the washing to a, to late in the in the night as well and I'd stand in the kitchen as anything I can do. So yeah, I was probably that little lad mm. that just wanted to help his mum out.
0: So did she let you use the chopping knife, uh, no. from, you know, when no, you were quite no, young? No, 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 no. She probably wouldn't <laughs> let me
1: lose it now.
0: <laughs> so you played football professionally then? Who who was that well, for? I
1: didn't quite make it as a pro. So I I, I had my trials at, at Bristol City and was there for a very little while, but I was an angry little kid, uncoachable probably. Mm. So it didn't last very long and came back. And so I played for Taunton semi pro, so I got paid to play football and had a right. job as well. so it was a good it was good mm. it was good um and then played for a team called Prizewood, which at the time were probably the best um senior club around, which were just below taunton twenty seven got a really bad knee injury, so that was the end of the football.
0: And so, was um, nutrition and diet that was something that was ad- addressed when you were playing football, either you know from the clubs no, or was it just no, not really something that not was in, taken? Not in the slightest. Seriously? I mean,
1: if we, I always say to boys now that are involved in the game or are looking to get involved in the game, if I'd had the opportunities that you have got in terms of the knowledge and the understanding of the body and the foods and the drinks and the hydration, I probably may have had a chance of making it because that might have been the extra 1%. The game has moved on. I mean all sport in general has moved on, you know. So I'm talking 40 years ago now. The teams relied on you being naturally fit and we did a lot of what I call doggy running. We were running all day at the training sessions, you know. Mm. Now it's much more structured and
0: So you were burning off the excess calories from maybe less than healthy diet that you might have had anyway, so it wasn't really an sure. issue. So again, we're back to it being about the size that you are really, you know, you're not getting chubby as a player or whatever, then no one's really questioning what's what you're actually putting That's in. That's right. Yeah. So when you work with young people now, I mean, do you think that they have a different approach and a different level of understanding about nutrition?
1: Yes. Yeah. If And especially as they, they get the higher they go up in the game and even youngsters, have a better understanding. But again, it, it all, at the end of the day, it all boils down to the, the ones that pay the, the shopping bill at the end of the day, what they can actually provide.
0: I think there's becoming more and more recognised that it doesn't have to be an expensive process to eat healthy. Absolutely.
1: Uh, and that's a very important mm. statement. I think the information and the, the education needs to go out there and, and get out there much better than it has done. That's the biggest thing people need to understand. It's not actually... Too much trouble to cook a meal from scratch. It's not that expensive. Mm. It just needs a bit of effort. And that's what we've come away from with the way our society is set up. It's fast-paced, isn't it? We have to be doing this. We have to be – sometimes you haven't even got time to consume your food because you've got to do something. (laughs) um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, That is true. But then I think there's also a case for saying that, you know, there's so much that we can cook for ourselves that is really super quick, quicker than driving down to the supermarket or walking to the local shop to buy, you know, a ready-made pasty or whatever
1: it's a habit thing. And, and, you know, it takes a little while to create a new habit and break an old habit. And you fall into the trap of not giving it the time. I think certainly some of the clients I've worked with, that's been one of the drivers that, that that's kept them on a journey that's not too good for them. So they just have to spend a bit of time on themselves and create the habit and have a go. Just have a go at cooking yourself and and see, oh, actually that didn't cost that much. That was actually quite good mm. fun. And it tasted brilliant. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and probably didn't take as long as you thought it was. It's, it's a bit like any form of exercise, isn't it? You need to get it to the point where it is just a part of your day that you just do it. it. And you don't even think about the fact that you could be spending that time doing something else.
1: Exactly. I always say to people, um, are you prioritizing your schedule or scheduling your priorities?
0: chat with you about COVID because I mean that's really how I got to know your your wife during COVID she did an absolutely amazing job of supplying good fresh food to the local community and I'm sure you must have played a a part in that that process as well I mean how how did that sort of come about
1: okay so as we all knew COVID came out of nowhere and how it affected us with being locked down and the shops running out and what it what was the real driver at the the real, real, right at the start was in our little lane we've got some consultants and some doctors and they said that they were on late shift went to the supermarket and couldn't get any fresh fruit and veg it had all gone and so rachel thought right okay and fresh um meat and things like that well obviously from rachel's background on the farm down in cornwall her brother still does rears the beef and all of that sort of stuff. So she could source mm. that. And then obviously her old friend has a fruit and veg business. So she literally does what Rachel does. She just started phoning and talking to people and saying, look, can you do this? And we've got a van, which is my fitness van. Obviously my fitness company and gyms were shut down. So I had nothing to do. And so we did that uh, and we put it out there more or less at cost. Uh, and just it exploded um, I think most of Musgrove was coming to see us on, on <laughs> most most weeks um, to get their their supplies. And what was really nice, we could deliver to people that couldn't get out. We felt that we were helping and doing what we could for the community out there. You know, it was rewarding. It kept us sane, kept people fed with good quality food. And it's still going now, not to the extent it was, but we're still supplying people that we first met three years ago through that trauma of covid
0: what i noticed was it sort of went from i don't know i'm saying sort of eggs and potatoes and then it was sort of meat and fish and honey and jam and yeah all kinds of things really it felt as if you were really embracing sort of the local food economy as well
1: it was the local food economy guys yeah because obviously you know james all of his restaurants and hotels shut down that he was supplying and likewise the fruit and veg guy and then. We thought, right, those guys in Cornwall, there must be people around here that are still doing the same. So we found the local honey guy, we found Mm -hmm. the local jam guy, um, spelt flour when when nobody could get any flour that we went Mm -hmm. to ship them and said, right, can we do this? And we just sort of wanted to help as many people as we could because that helped us stay sane and have a focus because we needed something to be focused on to get us through. We, you know, like many, many other people, our businesses were all shut down, our B&B was shut down, our, you know, mm. so we could get by as well.
0: Okay, Gary, it's been lovely talking to you. And I think your philosophy and your approach is spot on, you know, and and hope inspires some more people to take a, a look at how they're living their lives and give themselves the time that they need to, uh, as you said, be the best version of themselves. Oh, for
1: sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I did. And that's why I'm so passionate about championing it for other people because I know the effects it's had on me and my health.
0: Yeah, good. Thanks very much. Thanks for talking to me.
1: Thanks, Lynn. It's been wonderful.
0: Thanks for listening. Before I go, just a little reminder that if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. You can share an episode from your podcast player or from my website, or you can easily share one of my social media posts on Instagram or Facebook. If you're kind enough to share an episode, I will give you a personal shout out on the show to say thank you. What more could you ask for? Thanks in advance for helping me spread the word about my podcast. Bye. Thank you to Rick Simmons from the content podcast podcast for his help and advice. And thank you to Pixel Bay for the music.